Turn with me to two openings, please, this morning. Romans, the eighth chapter. John, chapter three. Let's join faith together, release faith concerning utterance. Let's believe God that you and I both won't just hear from me, hear from a man, but we'll hear from him. Let's agree in prayer right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we agree as touching this thing, asking you for utterance, clear and strong, Uh, not the words of a man, not me, but Lord, you speaking through us. We ask it. We ask for ears to hear and eyes that see, hearts open and receptive. Give us answers and direction and help, revelation of truth that makes us free, a supply of the Spirit, anointing for the next steps and the next part of your plan and your will. Move among us freely, O Lord, by your Holy Spirit, your holy angels. Uh, Say what you would say, do what you would do, help us to yield to you completely. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Romans, the eighth chapter and the first verse, Romans 8, 1 says, There is, therefore, now. When? When is this true? It's true right now that there is no condemnation. To them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Do you believe that or not? There is no condemnation. Keep reading verse 2. For, this is why there's no condemnation. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has, this is something that's already happened, made me free. From the law of sin and death. This is shouting ground. (laughs) Said out loud. The law. Of the spirit of life. In Christ Jesus. Has made me free. From the law. Of sin and death. Man it do you good to say this another 50 times today. Throughout the day. Let's say it out loud together. For the law of the spirit of life. In Christ Jesus. Has made me free. From the law. Of sin. And death. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now. He started out talking about condemnation. And being free. From the law of sin and death is tied to having no condemnation. Keep reading. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Sin is very real. Sin is not to be mocked. Are made light of. Sin is very serious business. The wages of sin is death. Now fools the Bible says make a mock of sin. Fools do. A fool is someone with no understanding. 
Somebody that's deceived, clueless, you might say. Believing lies. You don't want to be a fool, do you? Me either. So we don't make light and mock sin. You know, uh, sin is an unpopular word nowadays, isn't it? It's socially incorrect. It's politically incorrect. And even in a lot of churches, people don't use the S word. (laughs) They substitute. People don't like, they think it's too harsh. It's, you know, R is just kind of a religious phrase. And people now have problems Mm -hmm. they're dealing with. They have issues they're working on, but don't use that sin word. Now, you need to use the sin word. The Bible uses it all the time, right? And if sin is not serious, then what Jesus did is not serious. Is what Jesus did very serious, very significant. What did he do? Well, we just got through reading it. Read the verse again, verse 3. The law could not solve the sin problem, could it? Couldn't fix it. The law showed and made real clear what sin was. Remember part of the law is the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. It made clear and plain that sin was wrong and sin was bad. But there was no power in it to set you free from it. And so God, because he loved us so much, sent his son to do what nothing else could do. And he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. He was made just like us with a physical body. He lived in this curse-filled, sin-filled world. He dealt with all its temptation just like we do. And not only that, he came for sin to take care of sin and he condemned sin in the flesh when he became sin with our sin. Oh, this is significant. He became sin with our sin. Him who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. Didn't do it for himself. Why? So that we could be made the righteousness of God. Not earn it. Be made it. When you say I'm righteous, which a lot of church going people won't say, but we will. When you say I'm righteous, you're not bragging on you or anything that you've done because you didn't become righteous through any efforts of your own. You were made righteous with his righteousness because he was made sin with your sin. Was he really made sin with your sin? Then you've really been made righteous. With his righteousness. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Glory to God. There's some very exciting things we're going to get to for all this. We're already at some of them, but it's just going to grow in us and get stronger and stronger in us. Hallelujah. The most exciting things you can talk about are what we're on right now, things that Christians think they know. And you might know a little bit of it, but it's the tip of the iceberg. How many would open up yourselves and say, Lord, show me. Fill me with the knowledge of this. 
Why, the truth will make you free, won't it? So verse 4. Verse 4 says, this happened that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. If you could have kept all the law all the time, then you would have been righteous before God. Nobody did, except Jesus. But what we could not attain through efforts of our own, Jesus got and gave to us. Who walked not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now that phrase is quoted in verse 1. He's saying the very same phrase here in verse 4. I know some manuscripts don't have that phrase in verse 1, but it is in verse 4. It's here. And it is part of it. We're going to be talking about that later. Walking not after the flesh, but after the spirit has a big part to play in you living condemnation free. It is part of it. And if you ignore that. Then you're not going to live condemnation free. But is it possible. To live with absolutely zero condemnation. No sense of guilt or shame at all. Is it possible? It is possible. And not only is it possible. It's necessary. To live a victorious life. To, to, to be a real faith person. And live and walk in overcoming faith. And have miracles. And have amazing things happen. You have to overcome guilt. No option. You have to overcome it. And it is overcomable. It belongs to us. I want you to back up to verse 2. And say it another time. <laughs> say For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Get that burned into your consciousness. Go around saying it around your house, riding in your car, just on a Tuesday afternoon for no reason. Except you're reminded of it, start saying it. Say it out loud. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. It's not just a matter of logging these things in your head. The light of it begins to dawn in your spirit. And it just grows and grows and grows. Go to John's gospel, please. uh, uh, Gospel account of John, I should say. Chapter 3. John chapter 3. Very familiar passage to many. But some of the verses, sometimes people just quote one verse or two out of here. John 3 and 16. Anybody know John 3, 16? (laughs) Parents, listen to me. Every child ought to have the opportunity to grow up and be taught at home and in church and learn all the basics to know about uh, Daniel and the lion's den, Jonah and the great fish, the, who are the 12 apostles, what are the 10 commandments. Every child, so we got a whole generation that knows none of these things. And it's not just a matter of knowing some stuff and saying, I know it. These lessons learn put pillars in you. To know what's right and what's wrong and how to believe and how to live. 
And so uh, we're believing God. And, uh, and our children's workers are doing an outstanding job. Do you know it? They are and they're growing. And that's what they're doing is to, to teach these things to your little ones. And, and if you didn't learn it growing up, it's not too late. It's not just a matter of saying, yeah, I know that. I can quote that. No, it's, there's reason why God gave us these things. I can't even express it. I could start talking in tongues and have to interpret it, but it just does so much for our thinking, the way we see things, the way we perceive God, the world, everything. These are not just stories. They are light. They are the way to live and how to overcome. So uh, John 3.16 is something everybody should know, don't you think? God so loved the world that what happened? He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Well, I started too quick. Back up to verse 14. Verse 14. All this flows together. 14, 15, 16, 17. It says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, what was he talking about, lifted up? If you read other passages, it's talking about him being lifted up on the pole, on the cross. He was hung, suspended, or lifted up off the ground on this pole. And the Bible said that this was prefigured by Moses lifting up a snake on a pole. How is, and actually it was a brass serpent, a snake, figurine of a serpent snake made out of brass that then was attached to a pole that was lifted up. What had happened, if you read back in Numbers, the people of God had murmured and complained against God and just yielded to unbelief and fear and rebelled against God's commandments. And the Bible said serpents, snakes, had come into the camp and were biting the people. And they were dying. Now, it's no strange thing that you'd find a snake in the desert. What is interesting is that nothing's been said about snakes till now. There's been a protective barrier round about them from the time they were in Egypt. Isn't that right? I mean, diseases swept through Egypt, but it didn't cross over the border to the land of Goshen. There were times when it was pitch black in Egypt, and the sun is shining in Goshen. Now, that's like saying that it's pitch black in uh, Georgia, but the sun is shining, you know, a couple of feet across the state line in Florida. That's a miracle. But, you know, way before Star Trek... God had force fields. <laughs> Do you know it? He still has them today. He does. And uh, he was keeping them and protecting them from that which would hurt them and destroy them. But their griping and complaining pulled down the force field. Wonder if there's a lesson there. Actually, the New Testament warns us in 1 Corinthians 10 not to murmur and complain like they did because they got destroyed of the destroyer. Now, I know people like to think that, you know, maybe murmuring and complaining ain't good, but it ain't that big of a deal. Actually, it's a very big deal. 
It's a big deal. Murmuring and griping can open the door to the destroyer in your life. Very serious. <laughs> Selah. Do we need to think about that? We do. But anyway, in the midst of these snakes coming into a, uh, the camp and biting people. Now, if I just turned two poisonous snakes loose in this place, just two, what do you think would be happening? Oh, man. Folks might be jumping and hollering and rushing to get out, running over each other. Well, here's hundreds of thousands of people and their livestock, and I don't know, hundreds of snakes, thousands of snakes. Uh, this is, uh, there's chaos, you know. And in the midst of this, Moses hears from God, and he tells him to make a brass snake and put it on a pole and hold that up where everybody can see it and tell everybody whoever looks on this serpent on the pole will live and if you look up the word amplified has a note on it it talks about not just a passing glance but a steady absorbing gaze on what on a snake on a pole and the bible said everyone that looked Lived. Even if you'd just been bitten and venom's coursing through your veins, if you'll just ignore everything and look up and fix your gaze on this snake on the pole, you live. You live. And here, read it again, John 3 and 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So obviously, this snake on a pole is a type of Jesus on the cross. How is a snake on the pole a type of Jesus on the cross? Why wasn't a dove on the pole? <laughs> or something else that symbolized purity and peace and love and righteousness? You know why? Because the cross is not a pretty place. I know people wear the cross as jewelry and I'm not opposed to that at all. But in that day, it would be like wearing a little electric chair. Because <laughs> it was the device of execution for the very worst criminals. And the cross... You remember, as he hung on the cross, it became dark. Remember that? Why? Because all the sin of all mankind was laid on him. Past, present, and future. And he didn't just sympathize with it. He became it. Hence, the snake. Brass. Indicating hardness and judgment and the snake. He became sin with our sin. It really happened. I said it really happened. Is sin a big deal? It's a very big deal. If it wasn't a big deal, then Jesus becoming sin is not a big deal. But it is a big deal. He became sin 
That's when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Because the judgment of God came down on him because he had become your sin and my sin. He became sin with our sin. And so just like Moses lifted up that serpent on the pole, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Just like they didn't die from the snake bite, type of the sin and death, law of sin and death. Even so today, those that look upon him. That was made sin with their sin. As he hung on the cross. Will not die. Even though you are sin stung and stained and bit. You will not die. But live. And have eternal life. How many are beholding him? You got your eyes on him. Looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of your faith. Oh, thank you, Lord. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Would you lift up a hand and say, I believe on Him. I believe in Him. Well, do you believe the rest of that verse? You will not perish. You will have everlasting life. Do you believe it, saints? He said, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned. Do you believe on him? He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And it goes on talking about the same subject, but for today, let's stop and talk more about this. Did you know that because of sin, there is coming a day of judgment? There is coming a day of wrath where the guilty will be judged and punished. This should be very sobering to us. But those in Christ Jesus do not have to fear it. Let's look at some scriptures and talk about it, think about it some. I know that when's the last time you heard preaching about it? (laughs) We need to know about it. We need to think about it. There's coming a day. We're not going to live like we're living here right now forever. The earth is not going to continue like it is. People talk about saving the planet. (laughs) There's no reason to see how badly you can mess it up. We do still live here. But at the same time, ultimately, nobody's going to be able to save the planet. The planet is dying just like your body. Our body is made out of the same elements as the planet. That's where it comes from. And just like our bodies are growing older and dying... The same thing is happening to the whole planet. And actually the atmosphere, everything around it. And Romans says all creation is groaning and travailing. And uh, all these earthquakes 
and too hot, too cold, these imbalances. Uh, folks want to attribute them to every kind of thing, but it's the same thing that's happening with you and your aches and pains. The planet is getting older and dying. And there'll come a time that the heavens and the earth are going to pass away. They're going to melt with fervent heat. And there's going to be no more earth and atmosphere like there is now. But God's going to give us a new heaven and a new earth. Hallelujah. And the new will be minus all of the curse and junk. And we're going to have some of the best weather you have ever seen. (laughs) You're going to be able to run through the jungle without stepping on a thorn. And without fear of a tiger getting you. Because the lion is going to eat straw and grass like an ox. The carnivores will be vegetarian. They won't rip each other apart anymore. A lot of what people call nature is actually perverted by sin and curse. And it's going to be restored soon. Do you believe it, saints? But why I'm saying all this is that uh, we don't need to live life down here thinking this is all there is and it's always going to be like this. It's not. It's not. Soon and very soon, all creation is going to stand before God. On the great day of judgment. And he is the righteous judge of all the earth. And when you hear words like condemned. Righteous. It's legal terminology. And it's not that the Bible borrowed from current legal language. It was around way before. It's the other way around. But it's legal talk. And condemned means guilty. Found guilty. Justified means cleared of all charges. Innocent. And on that day, do you think it's going to be very important whether you're guilty or innocent? (laughs) Eternity is in the balance. If you're innocent, if you're righteous, you go one way. (laughs) If you're guilty, you go the other way. If you're righteous, you're in one group. If you're condemned, you're in another group. Now, there's a lot of religious ideas about it, but let's go to the Word. In Revelation 20, turn there and look at this. Revelation 20, verse 11. He said, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was no place found for him. Is our God awesome? He is indescribable. Let's think about this. Have you ever looked up in the night sky? Have you ever noticed the sun? The oceans and the mountain ranges? What kind of being can create that? What kind of being? People say, well, we don't know for sure that there is an intelligent creator. Well, maybe you don't know. (laughs) We're settled about it. (laughs) If you ever notice, supposedly the brightest scientific minds of our age and previous decades 
to start describing their godless ideas about creation. They don't go very far until they'll start using things, the phrases like, we don't know for sure. Nobody knows. It may be. Nobody has ever proven God didn't create it. Because he did. (laughs) But think about it. What kind of being can not only create the universe, the solar systems, the stars, the planets, but keeps them operating? The Bible said all things are upheld by the word of his power. What kind of power does it take to keep the sun burning? That's quite a few BTU. Gravity. What kind of power is that? It makes anything we've ever, any little bomb we've ever made just looks like a pup. You want to talk about real power, you talk about gravitational forces of oceans and planet cores and between planets. You talk about the power of stars. What kind of being creates that, makes that? That is the judge of all the earth, and that is your father. I hope you heard what I said. The judge is your daddy. You should already be feeling better about this. (laughs) Say it out loud. The judge... Of the universe is my daddy. (laughs) Oh, did you hear that, saints? Did you hear that, saints? The judge of all the earth is my father. He's my father. Keep reading. I saw a great white throne, him that sat on it. From his face, the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no place found for him. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Does it sound like it is really important that your name Be in the Lamb's book of life. You know the disciples. When Jesus sent them out. He gave them power and authority. Over unclean spirits to cast them out. And to heal every manner of sickness and disease. And when they came back they rejoiced. They said Lord. Even the devils are subject to us. In your name. He said that's great. That's great. But this is what you ought to rejoice about. That your names are written. Hallelujah. In heaven. Of all the things we get happy about, this ought to be right at the top of the list. Because this has to do with our security and our place in the future. 
when there's no more life on planet earth like it is now, where all of this is over and done and all humanity stands before him, those who are not found in the Lamb's book of life are cast into the lake of fire with all of hell and the devil and all those who've rejected him. Jesus said, if you don't believe I'm the one, you'll die in your sins. But apparently if you believe he is the one, you won't die in your sins. You'll die in righteousness. I'm talking about in life, you slip out of the body. And second death has no power over you, the Bible says. Sin has no more dominion over you. So death has no more dominion over you. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Romans 14.9 talks about this. 14.9 says, To this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. Why do you judge your brother? Romans 14.10. Or why do you set it not your brother? We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. This is a courtroom scene. This is a throne of judgment. The judge sitting on the throne. The righteous, perfect judge. And the individual in question is either accused or acquitted. Either condemned or righteous. Condemned or righteous? You're not both. I said condemned or righteous. Which one are you, saints? Which one? Huh? Are you sure? There is therefore now. Now, what's another word for condemned? Guilty. Are you guilty or innocent? You need to make up your mind. You need to get it settled, absolutely settled, because you are the main witness in this situation. Your testimony carries huge weight in this judgment. What you say about it. Do you believe it? Go back to Revelation. Revelation and the uh, 12th chapter. You know, we read uh, last week how the woman was taken in an act of adultery and they pulled her out in front of Jesus. And uh, he said, he that's without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. And, and they, convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, starting with the youngest to the oldest. And then finally nobody was there but Jesus and the woman. And he looked at her and he said, woman, where are your accusers? Did you hear this language? Has no man condemned you? She said, nobody, Lord. And of course, she, you know, bless her heart, she's been humiliated out here. And, and I, she thought she's dead. 
She thought she was dying just two minutes ago. But things are looking up. Nobody's standing there accusing her. Jesus is the only one left to say yay or nay about what happens to her. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and walk in the spirit, not in the flesh, and sin no more. He didn't say that is no big deal what happened, you know. They called it a sin, but who knows these days. No, no, she had sinned. And he said, don't do it anymore. But I'm not going to condemn you either. If you're not condemned, that means you don't go to jail. You don't get punished. In Revelation 12, verse 9, well actually verse 7, verse 7. There was war in heaven, Revelation says. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels. Isn't it something that they thought they could win? Something. You know, if you tell lies long enough, you start believing your own lies. And they did what? They prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. That's one of the reasons the devil hates us so much is because he's lost his place. And we have the place in heaven. We have an eternal place in the kingdom of God, family of God, heaven. He's jealous of us. He's very envious of us. Verse uh, 9. The great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God day and night. Did you know you have an adversary? Your adversary is the accuser. And you know what he does against you and I? All the time, day and night, before God, is accuse us. Now, that's not just trying to slander us or call us a name. Why would he do this? He seeks judgment against us so he can have access to us. You get a glimpse behind the scenes with Job of the devil accusing Job to God. And he's saying if he loses what he's got, he won't stay with you. He will curse you to your face. If he don't have his health, he will curse you to your face. He said, well, no wonder he serves you. You've put a fence around everything he's got. There's that force field. What's going on? The devil wants to get to him. He wants to hurt him, and he can't. He can't get to him. He can't get access to him. The devil ain't everything he's cracked himself up to be. So what's he doing? He's making these accusations like a prosecuting attorney would. He's bringing charges against. And he's seeking a judgment. And if you're found guilty, he's got a right to destroy and kill and steal. 
It ought to make you despise him. It's okay to hate him. (laughs) We don't hate people. But we hate him. He hates you. Every day and night. He's trying to find. A way. To get you judged. Now he's not doing it all personally. He's got imps. And ones that he sends. And the signs. And they're always trying to accuse you. And the testimony that carries some of the greatest weight is what comes out of your own mouth. How many know if you get charged with something, whether you're guilty or not, I don't care what kind of law, you could have the best lawyer in the world, best defense attorney in the world. If you take the stand and grip the rail and go, I'm guilty, (laughs) guilty is sin. I did it. I did. You're done. If the judge is righteous, he or she has no choice but to find you guilty. You said you are. Don't care what kind of defense you got. You've blown it with your testimony. Read the next verse. Read the next verse. They overcame him. Him who? The accuser. The prosecuting attorney. They overcame him. By the blood of the lamb. That's not all. And. By the word. Of their. Testimony. Does it make any difference what you're saying? What are you saying saints? I'm such a poor excuse for a Christian. I've just failed in so many ways. People think this is being humble. People think this is being a good Christian. I'm, I, I'm just, I'm a sinner. I sin every day. I, I, just, I you know, I, 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 you're what? You're saying I'm guilty. I deserve to be punished. I deserve to be judged. There are Christians all over the country. There are Christians in this town. If you say, you know, say I'm righteous, they go, oh, no, no. I'm not righteous. Me? I'm a sinner. Well, then you're, you deserve to be judged. <laughs> what is your testimony? Come on, saint. Are you guilty? Or are you righteous? Are you condemned? You can't be both. Which one are you? The devil is provoking. He's prodding. He's bringing accusations against you. He's doing his best to get you to just go, I'm guilty. I deserve it. I'm such a sad, pitiful, yeah, I deserve everything. You could. And he'll go, see, see, they're guilty. Friend, you need to know this. You don't just have an accuser. You have an advocate. Oh, somebody say glory to God for the advocate. First John, turn there. First John 2. First John 2. Woo-hoo-hoo. Makes me happy. How about you? First John 2. Verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that you what? Is sin a big deal? 
That's a big deal. My little children. This is addressed to the church. God does not refer to the unsaved as his little children. My little children, these things write I unto you that you what? Sin not. And if any man sin, if you do, if you do, don't just say I'm guilty. If you do, remember, we have an advocate. That's a legal term. I said that's a legal term. That's your defense attorney. And he is the best that's ever been. The best in the universe. Do you believe it, saints? Sit out loud. We have an advocate. I have an advocate. There is an accuser. There's somebody against you. Accusing you. Always trying to find, bring charges against you. But he's the lesser one. He's the defeated one. We have an advocate. With the Father. The big judge. And our advocate is Jesus Christ. The righteous. Hallelujah. Verse 2. He is the propitiation. He's the payment. For our sins. And not for ours only. But also for the sins of the whole world. The world that don't even believe him. That cuss him. If they just knew it. He'd be for them. He's their advocate. He paid the price for their sins too. If they'd just receive him. Oh somebody say glory to God. God. Now skip down to the fourth chapter. Get ready to shout some more. First John 4. You have an advocate. Yeah there's an accuser. Anything happen to you. Bad. Anything look like it could happen to you. Or might happen to you. The devil will come. And sit on your shoulder. And bring thoughts to your mind. And tell you you deserve it. You've missed it so many ways. You've come so short. You don't deserve to be healed. You deserve to be sick and suffer. All the way you've lived. All the stuff you've done. You don't deserve to have a good marriage. All the mistakes you've made. The lies you've told. The unfaithfulness. You don't deserve to be happy. You don't deserve to have a a good family. You deserve this problem. You deserve this trouble. You deserve this curse. He's the accuser. He accuses you to God. He accuses you to yourself. Others to you. He's just the accuser. He does it all the time. And what he's trying to do is to get you to break. And add your testimony to his. And agree with him that he's right. That you're a failure. And you're guilty. And you don't deserve any blessing. And you deserve curse and punishment. And if you do. You're done for. You're done for. Oh, but friend, you have an advocate. And even if you've been thrown in the cell and things ain't looking too good and they got a pile of evidence against you, they got you on video breaking the law. (laughs) Your advocate will come and he'll say, don't worry about it. I got this. He said, now here, study this manuscript. It's the B-I-B-L-E. And uh, don't 
say anything else other than what I've told you to say. Let's go over again this real slowly. Don't, I don't care what the accuser, now the accuser is going to come, he's going to razzle dazzle, he's going to do a lot of stuff. Stay cool. Don't let him rattle you. And don't say anything except what I have told you. Did the Lord tell you that you were guilty? Did he tell you that you should be punished? He told you you're righteous. He told you you're healed. He told you you're redeemed. He told you you're free. Didn't he? Didn't he? If you're smart, you'll go, yes, sir. Don't worry about this now. Just stay with me. So the accuser comes. He says, guilty. They're guilty. Guilty. They've done this. They've done that. They didn't do what you told them to do. They rebelled against you. They disobeyed. They did this. They did that. They deserve to be punished. And so they look to you and you go, I'm innocent. I'm innocent of all charges. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. No, the accuser says, no. You're guilty. You're a sinner. You deserve to be punished. You go, no, I'm innocent of all charges. I don't deserve to be punished at all. We have proof. You were there. You did this. You did that. Exhibit A, show the video. And they turn it on. And there's nothing there. There's nothing on the video. There's nothing on the audio. The pictures are blank. It's all been washed by the blood. Now, if you'd have said, I'm guilty, it'd be there. But if you stay cool and you go, mm-mm, I'm innocent. Come on, everybody practice. I'm innocent. Come on, say it again. I'm innocent. I don't deserve to be judged. No. Not guilty. Not guilty. guilty. How do you plead? (laughs) If you'll stick to it long enough, the righteous judge will tell your accuser to shut up. And your advocate will stand forth. Did the Bible say he ever lives to make intercession for it? That's not just a prayer thing. That's a legal thing. He said, your honor, My father, this is sounding good already, (laughs) the accused, my brother, your son or daughter, you're liking the sound of this already, has testified that they are righteous, undeserving of any punishment. I present for the court's consideration Exhibit A. My blood on the mercy seat. And the Bible said that blood testifies. Doesn't it? It speaks. You know what it's saying? Innocent. Innocent. They're innocent. Innocent. 
Father says, the court has accepted that evidence. And your honor, my father. The accused, my brother, your son. Has testified that by my stripes, they are healed. Deserve no punishment of. Did did you notice this? By his what? You're healed. What's, What's stripe? Stripe is the result of being punished. Beaten. He took the beating. So you don't have to. He said, I present for the court's consideration. Exhibit B. The stripes on my back. The court has accepted that evidence. You know what's going to happen? (laughs) You are found innocent. Not guilty. That means the devil has no right. No access. What is your confession? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and. And by the word of their testimony. Jesus said, by your words, you'll be justified. By your words, you'll be condemned. Didn't he say it? Say it out loud. I have been made made the righteousness of God God in Christ Jesus. Jesus. I'm not guilty. I don't deserve to be punished. I'm innocent. 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 Hallelujah. Your advocate backs you up. Heaven backs you up. The blood backs you up. The Father backs you up. If you'll agree with them. Stand on your feet everybody. Say it out loud. I agree with God. I agree with my advocate. I'm innocent. Oh hallelujah. Thank you Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.